I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I don't know what it's like in the States, but over here, certainly, um, obviously... We have sort of the system schooling, but more and more you hear that actually physical education is, is not part of the curriculum. And so for me, that's a really worrying sign because in, you know, with me, mental health, it, it's not something you have or you don't. We all have mental health to look after and it should be treated the same way as physical health. And I think that the two go hand in hand. And for me, it's very much about sort of maintaining a level, level of, you know, physical activity daily. Um, does sort of put your mind into a good place. How you day, how you day. That was the voice of Simon Dent. Simon is an incredible businessman. Not only did we connect on our mutual love for football or soccer and uh, just the idea of navigating through changes and never being stagnant, I really enjoyed the start of our conversation probably the most because we tackled mental health. We talked about the importance of having education in a non-traditional sense, how we move beyond what is structured and really dive deeper into the inner layers of who we are and taking time for self-care. You're going to hear in the podcast Simon's, you know, transitions through his career as, you know, as a lawyer, as a sports agent, and ultimately as the founder of Dark Horse. And I think it's really, really important for people to realize just the commitment he had to self-work and how that translated to his business work. You know, we're getting ready to approach the halfway point of the year. It's easy to get frustrated. Some of you may already have had, um, you know, failures this year. Some of you may have had some successes and maybe you're not sure how to handle both success and failure. So I think this episode will help you stay balanced, stay centered, and remember who you are, what your purpose is, and how to move forward. Hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome everybody to another episode of As Told by Nomads and today's guest is Simon Dent. Now, after starting his professional life as a lawyer, Simon quickly realized that he had more to offer the world and made the transition to that of a sports agent. Over the following decade, he represented premiership footballers, Olympic gold medalists, rugby World Cup winners, and even a Hollywood movie star. In 2013, Simon switched to marketing to help launch the agency BBH Sports and work in slightly more traditional brands. Then in the spring of 2016, he co-founded Dark Horses uh, alongside the founders of advertising agencies, Lucky Generals. Welcome to the show. I'm excited to talk all things creative with you. Thank you very much. That's a very, very kind introduction. Well, the pleasure is mine. And, and uh, your background fascinates me. We were talking about that before, before I hit record. The, the leaps and bounds and the transitions, you know, you said sports was at the heart of each of your transitions, but so go from lawyer to sport agent to creative 
agency. Can you tell me what your motivations were as you were uh, starting each of those careers? So we'll start off with the lawyer. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Um, yeah, the legal profession was a sort of an interesting one for me. And if I'm honest, quite a bruising one. I think I when um, sort of at school, equivalent of your high school and, and sort of university, it was always something that, um, you know, quite rightly, people encourage you to get into. And it was always thought of as a very respectable profession. And it was something that, to be honest, I never really um, did too much, um, what's the word, sort of investigations to actually, you know, the life of a lawyer. I was probably dazzled by the bright lights, the big bucks. Um, and and there was something I sort of plowed into, and it was um, obviously the 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 entrance point is quite hard, so there was a lot of studying, a lot of exams, and yeah, to be honest, I was a sort of um, it was something that when I actually got into the profession, it was something that I very quickly realised that I was attracted by the wrong things, and you know what a life lesson that was. But obviously, when you are sort of in your early twenties and you move to the sort of to a big city, you 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 try to make it work, and that's where obviously you know if you're continually doing something you don't enjoy and you keep sort of banging on the door hoping that something changes and it doesn't that that's when you enter quite a dangerous space and and, and you know I'm, I'm more than happy to talk about how i you know i, I got into that place and, and obviously i ended up basically um becoming quite ill no no i do i, I mean if it's not if it's not too much to share i would love to hear that because i know a lot of a lot of the listeners always want to hear about you know, yeah. the reality of what that can be like when you come across those difficulties. Yeah, and I think it was something that, um, you know, looking back now, it was probably um, one of the best things that ever happened to me. But at the time, um, just all those pressures and the, the, the whole sort of, you know, skill sets that you're, you, there's just no education for, um, you have to learn through experiencing them, really. They're not something you can really learn from a book at school or, or university. And I think... Um, yeah, it was, you know, whilst in the profession, it was just something that um, I did keep trying to make it work. Um, I knew that I had the ability, but for some reason, it just wasn't sticking. And, and the bottom line is, um, was that I just didn't enjoy it. And I think I didn't enjoy the subject. I didn't feel passionate about it. And, you know, it took me um, four or five years of working in industry to eventually realize one day when I'd sort of... Um, I went to the sort of to the doctor, said I didn't feel right, and they they said, "Oh no, that's a lack of iron." <laughs> so I was put on iron supplements. A uh, couple of weeks later, still didn't feel right, and I basically entered this place where, very quickly, I was um, diagnosed with uh, severe depression, anxiety, and I, and I was signed off work, and that started a whole um, fascinating sort of process of um, basically understanding how the mind works and, and and the damage I'd done to myself over the, the previous five years. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is fascinating indeed, as you did point out, because the, the idea of mental health is only something that's only started to really become something that people talk about often. But it, it's something that has plagued many careers for a while because I don't know, because of the stigma and because of just maybe a lack of understanding of what truly encompasses, uh, you know, mental health, you know, and how it plays a big role into, you know, pressures and how we see ourselves. hundred percent. And I think it's, you know, it's right. It is now being addressed, and there's some uh, there's some really good organisations that are now sort of making it or trying to make it part of the conversation. Um, yeah. 
and look, it wasn't something, you know, it, it was back then, as I said, I, you know, I tried to seek out the help. I couldn't find it. And it's, you know, there is absolutely, you know, I'm not one to point blame at anyone. And it was just something that I believe that was part of my process of really understanding myself. And as I said, I, I look back on it now and, you know, it's quite strange to say it, but I look back on it in fondness because it was such a period of time that I had to go through my life that, to be honest, it was, it, it's made me the person, um, not so much as I am, but it's put me on a journey now where actually it taught me so much about how the mind works, um, how to treat other people, how to look after yourself, and ultimately what you know my priorities are as a human being. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I love that. And I love that you're being honest with that. Thank you for sharing because, um, I mean, me being an entrepreneur and a speaker and a writer, some of the, the things that people don't normally talk about and I imagine it's the same with with a, with a high pressure situation as a lawyer is, yeah. you know, th there are lots of things that come with the job when you, some, sometimes you deal with things, whether it's deadlines, whether it's the, the, you know, client demands and things like that. And, you know, you sometimes convince yourself that you have to be a certain way or you be perceived as weak or you can't show emotions and all those kind of things. And all those things do take a toll and they're not physically initially, they're just there mentally and then they start to manifest physically and then you wonder where they came from. And you think that, you know, these are these are things that are going as the body grows and the mind grows. And these pressures that, as I said earlier, you, you know, you're not equipped yeah. with these things. Like, these are not life skills you're taught. And, you know, to this day, I still, you know, the, the, the sort of the traditional education system is something I look at a lot now. And, you know, obviously I'm not involved in that sector. But, you know, I often think about, you know, the, the skills taught at school, you know, whether it's, you know, for me, things like, you know, the, the, the art of listening, how do you actually listen? What is, how important is listening? It's just not something we're ever taught to do. And then things like finance, like we're not taught the basics of finance and these little things that, you know, empathy, things like real core life skills that actually real core life skills, yeah. part of the curriculum. Yeah. Uh, the world, I believe, would be a nicer place. <laughs> no, I love that. So you're saying, you're saying listening, finance, and empathy, or are there any other things you do right now that you practice on a daily basis that um, help you maintain yeah. um, a level of balance? Yeah, I mean, look, for me, one of the biggest things I've really um, lent into in the last five years is, 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 you know, obviously physical activity and exercise, and it's something that um, I don't know what it's like in the States, but over here, certainly, um, obviously, we have the sort of the system of schooling, but more and more you hear that actually physical education is, is not part of the curriculum. And so for me, that's a really worrying sign because in, you know, with me, mental health, it, it's not something you have or you don't. We all have mental health to look after and it should be treated the same way as physical health. And I think that the two go hand in hand. And for me, it's very much about sort of maintaining a level, level of, you know, physical activity daily um, does sort of put your mind into a good place. Yeah, that's brilliant. No, I love that. And I, I love that we started this interview this way because that, that sets up a lot of what, what you do. So, okay, at that point, you realized that law wasn't working. You 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 started to see things within your body and your doctor started to say some things to you and then you realize, okay, there needs to be a change. Yeah. Uh, your change was tra to transition into a sports agent. Now, yeah. anyone who knows me knows sports is my first love. I'm a Nigerian. Yeah. Match the United is my favorite team of all time. I love basketball, soccer, and tennis. Those are like my three yeah. favorites. But, but 
I also wanted to make a career in sports. And when I quickly realized it wasn't going to be an athlete, I, I started looking for different ways. And sports yeah. agent was was a, an, a career that I, I thought of. So what, what was it like to transition from being a lawyer to a sports agent? Um, it, it was interesting. I think the, the, the piece of the jigsaw that, that's missing there, which I should sort of, you know, explain to yourself and your listeners, is there was a there was a period of time where I spent a lot of my life in nightclubs. And... <laughs> That basically, um, I was involved in organising a lot of parties at a lot of the sort of the nightclubs in London and the high-end nightclubs. And I basically found myself in a world where, coming out of the legal profession, I was meeting a lot of high-profile professional sportsmen in London, men and women. And it's sort of the the, the sports agent um, evolution just it happened over a sort of a sort of couple of years really, where suddenly I found myself um, with a peer group around me of well-known uh, sportsmen and women. Um, and at the same time, I obviously had my legal qualifications, so I knew my way around, you know, contractual negotiations. And suddenly, as the trust built with these guys, it was sort of actually, you know, Simon, can you help me with this contract and this? And before I knew it, I was actually performing the services of an agent. So it wasn't a case of me going and joining one of the big agencies to learn the trade. I was, I was effectively self-taught. And as I said, it was something that, I found, I really found my feet. It was something that, you know, I regard myself as a people person. And that is a, one of the core skills of, of being a, a talent manager is that you, you have to um, have a way with people. Um, it's something that it's for the hard worker. Like you are on call 24-7. It's not a case of, you know, there are no such thing as working hours, you know, when you, you're working as a sports agent. And, and even more so, obviously, with most sports taking place at weekends, as the civilians out there are sort of slowing down the week on a Friday, you're ramping up because it, it, it's game time on Saturday and Sunday. So right. it was, you know, it was something that I just found myself with these contacts, um, with my legal sort of skill set, and and suddenly I, you know, I, I built started to build a business. Mm, that's interesting. It's interesting. And for those listening, I think it'd be interesting to point out uh, just what happened with Simon's career. Is sometimes you can fall into something based on the skill sets you have. And sometimes, a lot of times people, when they initially start a career that they don't like, you know, after spending a lot of time to study for it, like law or maybe even medicine, you know, they start to, you know, get down on themselves like, wow, I wasted that much of my life on this career. But it turns out that those skills as a lawyer were transferable to your current environment at the time. And so that's that's something to pay attention to sometimes if you're, you know, really in a position. Lesson. Yeah, and I really, yeah, let's, you know, I do not look back on any of these experiences as a waste. Um, yeah. They all um, taught me something. I think a lot of the time in life, um, you can't force the process. I do believe patience is a, is a really important thing. And again, these days, you know, we, we live in this generation of social sharing, whether it's across Instagram or whatever, where I think people want what they haven't got and they want it now. Um, I think I was, you know, my generation was quite lucky we weren't exposed to that. And I think that what I, um, you know, as, as, as I was sort of um, developing, I was quite fortunate that there was all these things I'd done in the past that actually worked quite well for me. And, and they really helped me become the person I am now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I certainly can believe that. Now, I, before we talk about the creative thinking and creative agency, I'm very curious as to what you learned from being surrounded by yeah, uh, football. And for those listening, yes, I'm using football the right way <laughs> here, yeah, here. Right. or so- soccer that's players. About soccer. 
<laughs> soccer players. <laughs> uh, it's funny because the first I, you know, when you're from Nigeria, you first say football as football, and then I started traveling, and it became soccer. But yes, um, uh, soccer players, footballers. Uh, what do you? What do you? What did you learn about um, yourself and people in general when you were starting to be surrounded by gold medalists? World Cup winners and things like that. And it says here that you also represented a Hollywood movie star. Is there something there that uh, you noticed, you know, among the best of the best? Or are there things that you feel like are gaps missing? It's such a great question. And, and if I'm honest with you, um, I wish I'd appreciated it more at the time. Mm -hmm. I, that I, um, you know, where I'm at now, I've got into a place where I'm a lot more into... Um, you know, personal development and learning from the best. You know, I try to read, you know, three or four books a month at the moment. I listen to podcasts, I listen to your podcast. So, you know, I am a, I'm like a sponge now. I think back then I was probably, um, I wasn't aware of the sort of the environment I was in and how much I could learn. I think also it's probably because I was in, it was my job. Mm -hmm. And therefore what I was doing with these guys, it, it, it became quite transactional. So for example, um, it became my life and my life was sort of quite normalized by things that a lot of people would find crazy and you know, really impressive. And I just, it was, I wish if, if, if I'm honest, I'd learned more. I think that what I did learn from them is that, you know, high performance and at the level of these guys are operating, um, it is ultra competitive. So, you know, to be a, for example, premiership soccer player, the amount of, um, self-assessment and dedication that takes from probably the age of you know from the age of probably six or seven they have been on a sort of path where you know many of their peers have fallen away and it's the same in any sport you know the guys in the NBA or NFL it's like they have been through such a brutal um, upbringing and that was something that, that, that you, you, you really noticed and for me, what really stood out even more was actually the process of careers coming to an end. And I think, you know, I feel very blessed now that, you know, I'm out I'm, I'm sort of looking in a world now where careers, you know, can last till you're 70 years old. You know, as an elite athlete, you probably have a five year window where you can maximize your potential. And for those guys, that is, you know, understandably terrifying because if you have devoted your life to, um, learning a sport and becoming best at sport, you've had no time to, to, to learn any other life skills. And then suddenly, when your club no longer wants you, you don't know have anything else. Now, of course, there's the, the superstars that can become the broadcasters and the face of the NBC and the, the various coverage. But that's 1%. The other 99% um, have got a lot to deal with. And that was something I found really interesting. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it is fascinating, isn't it? Because... Uh, you do see documentaries and, uh, you know, be, behind the scenes of life post-athlete. And there are many people that really found identity in the sport. And so when the sport leaves them, it becomes um, a treacherous life, essentially. It doesn't matter what the the money is or the fame is. They, there's a sense of loss. And and then there are people that easily transition to other things. And I, I have noticed, at least from afar, uh, as someone that studies human behavior, it sometimes it, it really depends on 
the level of self-awareness you have and how you find your worth. Like if you define your worth on an external thing, maybe the sport or something or other people's view of you, it becomes um, a very shaky ground when that goes away. But if, if it's something that you feel like, hey, this is, you know, this is a phase in my life. This is something I can use. I want to use this for something bigger than myself. It then becomes um, uh, a transferable skill that, uh, you know, that you can transition out. But it, it is interesting because different athletes um, react differently. You're right about that it's for sure. True. And I like that. And I think what's also really important at this point is to stress that, um, in my experience, the good guys always end up okay. Mm. And I, what I mean by that is there's an old adage, isn't there? Um, remember people on the way up because you may need them on the way down. Right. And that's something that I just, you know, I, I, there are so many um, great sporting talents who probably let ego take over. Yes. And, you know, they were then the guys who, yes, they were, you know, MVP. They were the ones who everyone wanted to be friends with. But that circle of people that surrounded them was such a transient circle that um, suddenly, you know, when they weren't MVP and they weren't getting picked, they picked up an injury, those people disappear. And suddenly, if you haven't been a nice person to other people, you know, you suddenly find yourself in quite a lonely place. And that was, again, you know, we spoke about mental health earlier. It's kind of, you know, imagine walking out of a stadium every week with 60,000 people cheering your name and then mm. that's stopping. Um, you know, we have a, a you know, there is a big problem here um, with sort of mental health and retired sports uh, men and women because it's such a big, it is such a big thing. And it's such a, a massive loss when you take away the fandom. And yeah, no. nothing. Absolutely. Uh, I, I love the flow of this interview. So we started, we're starting and we're circling back to the importance of mental health. Yeah. Another thing that you start to realize, though, as we transition, I'm, it uses a lot of your mental capability is you noticed a lack of creative thinking, which led to what you do now with dark horses. Yeah. Can, can you explain how you transition from a sports agent to creative agency? Because it, I, you know, when you say creative thinking, I, sports is not, I guess not, I'm saying that I can think of how creative thinking can factor into sports, but it seems like you saw something different from what I was uh, initially thinking. It was interesting because I, I, you know, a lot of my clients uh, at the time were retired athletes who were often used by brands um, in marketing, advertising campaigns. And these guys would be, you know, appearing TV commercials or print or whatever it is. And I'd, I'd sort of watch them be used. And actually, I'd often think that the advertising agents using them weren't using them in the right way, um, just weren't getting the most out of them. And, it, and that, you know, that's where the sort of the lack of creativity sort of um, was, in my view, was really born. And obviously, these brands pay a lot of money for these athletes. And then when you see a terrible commercial and you know they've paid them a million pounds or a million dollars and you're thinking, well, hold on, they're not getting their money's worth here. There needs to be better strategic thinking linking the talent to the brand. So that's where it all started. And then there was that thinking. And um, as you rightly pointed out, I provided an opportunity to go into a, an advertising agency. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Five years ago now called BBH, you're a well-known a global creative agency. I helped them set up BBX Sport, and it was re- really that I was there when I was there that it was my first exposure to the creative agency landscape, and it it just impressed me so much. I'd never been surrounded by smarter people, and I was so um, enlightened, really, as to this this whole new world. And that that was really where um, I started thinking about actually that there's something I could do with this. There are um, there are very good things about BBH. There's a few things I changed, and that that's where really after leaving there after 18 months, um, the idea was was basically formed to, to launch my own creative agency. Wow, okay. So something I picked up on there was you said you'd never been surrounded by smarter people. And people always say, don't be the smartest person in a room. Yeah. So that uh, energy jolt from that must have really, you know, I guess, stimulated you, you mentally. Yeah, oh, I loved it. And do you know what? And even to this day now, I. I joke with the team, you know, there's, there's sort of 50 or so people now at Dark Horses, and I, and I joke that, you know, if I'm ever the smartest person in the room, we've got a problem. And, and I, <laughs> I genuinely mean that because I just love every day I come to the office and I learn. And I just feel that, it, you know, it's such a privilege. And I'm so blessed to be in this environment. And it's one where, you know, it's kind of you don't know what you don't know. It's going back to sort of the legal profession. It was one of those things where I just assumed for some reason that lawyer, the legal profession was full of really smart people and really bright people. Now, I was wrong, and there are obviously some incredibly bright people in that profession, but you know, there are so many other worlds or parallel universes out there that you know, I encourage everyone to try and explore because you really just don't know what's out there. And the, as I said, when I sort of opened the door to the world of creative agencies uh, five years now, four and a half years ago, I just haven't looked back. And, the, the biggest phase of growth in my life um, is basically, un- well, it's undoubtedly been in, in the period I've been in, in the world of creative. Yeah, yeah, no, that's 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 amazing. So, okay, so now that you you uh, you run Dark Horses, you, mm-hmm. you know, you co-founded it. Tell me more about Dark Horses and what the goal is. You know, wh- who's your ideal client and what is the end goal uh, for you? It's interesting because we. Um, Dare I say the goal keeps changing. So as I said, we, we, we launched this creative agency back in June 2016. The, the co-founders um, run and still run this day a very successful agency called Lucky Generals. Um, I was aware that I couldn't just launch my own creative agency, so I approached um, three people who I knew were best in class at what they did. And I think that's a massive lesson as well for your listeners that you know there's nothing wrong with admitting what you don't know. And I think that, you know, surrounding yourself with people that know more than you is, is just a smart thing to do. And again, that's probably not something I would have done in my 20s um, because you kind of think you know best and you know everything. But that, again, just comes with time. And so we launched the agency. Um, at first, it was, a, it was a hard slog. You know, we had sort of six months without any clients. Um, but then suddenly we started to get the proposition right. And the proposition was, as I said earlier, was really around um, – injecting high-level strategic thinking and creativity in, into the world of sports marketing. So um, fast forward, you know, almost three years now, um, we are 50 people. Um, 
we have some amazing clients. So, for example, brands such as Nissan, we look after their global sports sponsorship portfolio. So that's things such as Formula E, Champions League, City Football Group, um, and the Cricket World Cup. So we do all their advertising within that space, so bring those relationships to life. We're working currently with Puma and their activations around the Women's World Cup, a, a brand you probably will be familiar with um, in the US called Peloton. Um, we launched them uh, in the UK and we're currently pitching for their, their German business. And so you'll see a sort of whole host of sort of brands activating sports, sports brands. Um, but yeah, it's a really nice uh, collection of clients. And it's probably on, on the whole around eight clients that we work with which are a mixture of sports brands, brands that activate through sports and sort of sports clubs and associations. Oh yeah, that's, that's awesome. So what would you say then is the best thing that an aspiring creative can work towards in order to get to, to a level of what you do? I mean, I, I can see an element of storytelling, I can see an element of understanding strategy, but what are skill sets or daily things that people can work to build? It's really interesting right because I think that in in um, because we work in the world of sport, we're we're in obviously incredibly lucky because sport is such an emotional space. It's not only an emotional space; it's uh, it's one where it's always on. So you know there is twenty four seven somewhere in the world there is a big sports event going on. So for 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 your listeners, for for us, the it's just a space that people want to share their opinion. So I guess second to uh, current affairs, sport is probably the second biggest thing shared on Twitter and Facebook, I guess. I mean, I'm making that up, but it's just always on. It's it's really emotional. Um, and so therefore, when when it's something that is that present in our lives, um, everyone's kind of involved in it. Everyone can have a point of view in it. I think from a from what we do is we, we try and, usually, as I said, with regards to brands that sponsor events, we try and give them a legitimate role within the sport. So for example, um, you know, you know what it's like, um, and America is a probably a, a much more mature market, but if a brand is sports, uh, sponsoring your, your, you know, your local football team, um, you don't just want to see the, the sort of led logo flashing at you. You want them to have, uh, an authentic role and you want them to tell some sort of story that, um, aligns themselves properly with your club and, and that's really what we do that that that's the big thing and and even like you know you talk about for your listeners actual practical advice like you know I'm a, I'm a big football soccer fan uh, my team's Tottenham we um uh, I'm sorry for yesterday yeah well I was there <laughs> last night so I, I've been to every game at our new stadium I'll be in Amsterdam next week and you know I'm I'm, I'm a passionate you know fan and I think it's something that even every day I sort of, even though I work in the world of sports marketing, I still, you know, I do, t I turn up at the stadium last night and I think, you know, you've got 60,000 incredibly passionate people there. It's, it's Champions League semi-final. And, you know, for me, we're, we're, as I said, we're incredibly fortunate. We work with Nissan. They're one of the sponsors. Now, Nissan do a lot around the Champions League. So it's one of those things where I'm very fortunate to be able to, to have, to help them activate that partnership. And, you know, we're doing a lot with them on the on the road to Madrid and the final. And I always, whenever I go to sports events now, I do take note of the brands that actually. We always talk about the brands wanting and and they should make the experience better for the fan. So for your listeners, that's always something I'd say is whether watching on the television or at the stadium itself. You know, if there's a brand, you know, just 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 have a look at which brands are leveraging those partnerships because because they're the ones that are actually are doing the good job. Yeah. 
That's interesting. Yeah, I love that. And it, it, it sounds like it goes back to the skill sets you're saying, just understanding how to listen. These are things we aren't really taught and not even just listening, active listening, right? Where you're listening with intention and not listening to respond with an idea in your head. You listen to find the gaps, essentially. Yeah. And then, you know, um, it works with that. Huh. And that's just something, you know, again, it's something I'm glad I've learned now, but it's funny, I, I actually chatted to a colleague earlier. Um, we were talking about, you must have come across David Goggins. I'm sure you have. Yes, I have. <laughs> so, so David Goggins has just hit the UK and we're, we're like, we can't get enough of his content. We're loving it over here. And um, it was really interesting. He was talking about, um, in his book, around he developed a mechanism for, for getting through, I think it was his uh, Navy SEAL entrance exams. But he was never listening and learning it. He just devised a way of regurgitating it. And that, and I, and I really, that really resonated with me because I, to get to, to being a lawyer, I passed so many exams. But I don't think I actually learned anything. I just devised, devised a way of actually getting through exams, which is there's a big difference. And I think that's where if you're really taught to listen and understand things, that's a lot different from being taught the school, uh, the skill set to pass exams. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. This is this is so fascinating to me. So then, OK, now with the next steps for uh, Dark Horses, uh, what would you like the listeners to know and who ideally who ideally would you like to work with? I mean, it's really, it's really interesting. And I think that um, I was actually chatting to, to another colleague about this earlier. It's sort of, you know, we've, we've had an incredible uh, run of luck with winning new business. And, you know, it's going better than we could have ever imagined. And I think what we are, what we're incredibly proud of is, is our culture. And I think it's really worth sort of styling in on, on the name Dark Horses. Now, this name was chosen because do you have the expression in America, right, Dark Horse? So it's like the underdog. Is that a familiar expression? Yes, yeah, that's familiar. Exactly. So, and, and the name was chosen basically because we wanted to work with these underdog and challenger brands. And not only that, we also, you know, my place in the agency world was very much that of an underdog. Like people, you know, in the advertising and marketing world, it's, it's quite a closed group. And it's, you know, we were aware that people wouldn't give us or me a chance. And what that really has informed us as an agency is, is the way we behave is, with a lot of humility. So we, we have a, a line and it's almost like a company manifesto that, that we reference a lot, which is the moment you see yourself as a favorite, you've lost the race. And that is something that, that we hold really dear in everything we do. So, you know, if we win a new piece of business or, you know, we smash a client meeting, you know, we're not spraying each other with champagne. There's, there's enough humility to we get back to work. And I think that is a, is a way of informing the team at the agency has become really compelling and potent. And I think, you know, you asked the question about, you know, the, where is the agency going? I'm kind of, as a business, I'm, I'm not really worried. What I have, you know, sort of stumbled into is this amazing opportunity to basically help 50 people become better people. And I kind of, my role now as a, you know, I don't really have a, a marketing qualification or I don't have any. Um, I'm probably the least qualified marketer in the business, ironically. But what I can do is I can actually have a say in, in, in the culture that we build and actually help provide a platform to, to improve the whole team. And that, that for me is really the key performance indicator now. It's kind of actually, if I focus on every team member and helping them grow as individuals, 
the, the profit and the business and the growth and the global expansion is it's probably going to take care of itself. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's well said actually. Yeah. I love that because it's yeah, what you've built is you've created something where you actually live out the values yeah. of, of, of what, what are your core values and what happens is, you know, it's essentially a result of that. And you've surrounded yourself with people you trust, people that inspire you and, and creatively and, and in all sorts of different ways, which yeah. is leading into the type of clients you get as well. So I, 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 yeah, go ahead. Sorry. And no, I was just going to say that the culture is so important. So I think that again, um, it's really authentic. Like people in the office, they're you know they're forming you know friendships are going to have a life. And what I'm also very proud of is that most of our new business comes from recommendations. So you know we're very lucky that we haven't been or dragged into the traditional advertising agency model of doing pitches and spending loads of money on whining and dining people. We've kind of had, I'd say, 50% of our clients have come from other clients bringing them in the building to say, you should meet these guys. And I think that, for me, is one of the things I'm most proud of with the whole business because that is such a, a testament to not only the work we're doing, but actually the people we employ. Like, we have just, we've just got a group of nice people, really. And if, for whatever reason, um, you know, someone turns out not to be a nice person, then they'll be removed pretty quickly because we kind of, you know, we want to have that generous um, spirit in the workplace. Yeah, yeah. No, this is good. This is good. I think it's good to hear this. A lot of times I've noticed people get jaded, right, or uh, just because they, you know, they're used to hearing bad things from the news or cynical things from CEOs. And sometimes I think people forget that. You know, as a leader, you can control or inspire a company culture, yeah, and it, yeah. it does stem down from that. And so, um, it's it's good to hear. It's good to hear that that's something that you really focus on. I so. think it's perspective, right? And I think that you know, I'm a product of the environments I've been in. Um, I've been incredibly lucky to learn from some of the best in the business. With the, you know, the founders of Lucky Generals who, who co-owned the business. I think that. Um, the people in the business now, I learned so much from them. So I think, you know, when you have perspective and again, looping back to sort of mental health, I think, you know, when I was 25 years old and I, you know, I was in a sort of private hospital um, and I was, wasn't very well, I can always look back to that moment in time and be like, do you know what? It's not that bad. And I think, you know, that is something that I, again, I feel very blessed. I've been in that situation because you know, if a client leaves, so what? We'll go and get another one. You know, I, I genuinely believe that. And I want our clients to have an amazing experience. They're obviously incredibly important. But nothing's more important than, than, than the health and happiness of my team. And so, you know, I, there's never going to be a situation here that, that, that I found myself in because I'm just aware that, that, that you know, I won't let that happen. Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, this is awesome. This is awesome. Okay. So I'm going to close here with some uh, interesting uh, trivia questions for you since uh, well, okay. you're a Tottenham fan. There's nothing I can say. I can't say anything this year. No, you can't anymore. Ten years ago you could have. Uh, yeah, we are royally <laughs> a mess. We, are, we, uh, we had the social high and then everybody has come back to me and regressed, honestly. Yeah, okay, though. You'll work it out. Well, you think so? I mean, you think so? The last success we had was with... The greatest coach of all time, Sir Alex Ferguson. 
Uh, you'll work it out. Don't worry. In our lifetime, you'll work it out. <laughs> In our lifetime. <laughs> look at you. Look at you. I can't remember Top Gun being able to talk this way. This is so okay. You know what? what, what fine. It's not being fine. very humble, is it? <laughs> no, it's okay. I think you. you <laughs> I'm sure you've dealt with many uh, cocky uh, Man U fans in your life, so I, I think this is fine. <laughs> but with. Uh, uh, some uh, fun questions here. Who's your favorite uh, athlete of all time? Favorite athlete of all time. Uh, hopefully, you know this name, Glenn Hoddle, who was a Tottenham footballer in the, in the eighties. Well, I, I only know of his. Uh, I only know him by, I guess, uh, highlights. Oh, like, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Wow. So eighties. So you, you, that's he's your favorite. Why is he favorite? Well, just because he was my first. Yeah, I'm 42 now. So you know, when I was sort of at the peak of fandom, age or 10 to 14, he was. You know, the Tottenham Hotspur in England, number 10. And he just played football the right way. You know, he probably wouldn't survive in today's game because he was, wasn't really an athlete, but he was effortless. And, yeah, he, he was a beautiful footballer to watch. Gotcha, gotcha. Favourite country to travel to? Uh, Favourite country to travel to? Great question. Do you know what? I'd say, uh, at the moment, the United States. Really? Yeah. Um, nice. I've travelled a lot. I've been lucky to travel a lot, but I think, um, as I sort of mentioned earlier, um, I've got big aspirations um, to take dark horses uh, to America. So it's it's a country that I'm yeah I'm, I'm spending quite a lot of time in, fortunately, at the moment. All right. And uh, last question here is uh, before we go to the last uh, to the last couple is uh, the brand that uh, you I guess that inspires you the most. Uh, it could be doesn't have to be sports, but I'm curious to see if you observe a brand to just see what they do and say to yourself, well, that's what I aspire to be. Wow, that's a really good question. Um, I'll be brutally honest. Um, before I started working with Puma, I'd say Nike, but I don't think I could say that now. Um, no, <laughs> Contractually, I don't know if you can say it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be brutally honest. You know, as I said, I'm not, I'm not from the advertising world, but um, there was a very famous um, Nike campaign uh, in the 90s uh, for Nike running, which the line was, there is no finish line. And it was a great series of print ads they ran across America, which was just some really well shot um, images of sort of long roads, the redwoods in the Northwest. And sort of the fact that there is no finish line is just a line that, you know, in everything I've always done in life, it's, it's resonated with me. And I think even more so now where even what we're doing with dark horses, there really is no finish line. And that, and that I think, even manifesting yourself personally, I, I've now got into ultra running. So I'm sort of now doing like a hundred K races and it's, it's weird. I think, yeah, that, 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 that as a brand was always, you know, Nike always inspired me, but gotcha. obviously now being a, having Puma as a client, um, they're not so bad either. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I love that. Uh, where can people find you, uh, Simon and learn more about your work? Um, well, look, obviously I'll direct people to, to the dark horses website, which is darkhorses.com and, on social dark horses LBN, and that's on Twitter and Instagram. And then my, my I'm not really one for Instagram, but I'm on Twitter at uh, at Simon J Dent. Simon J Dent. Okay, all right, this is awesome. I always ask my guests this question though before I before I let people go, and it's my mission statement reframed as a you know as a question. And my mission statement is use your difference to make a difference. So, how do you, Simon, use your difference to make a difference? Well, I think. Um, the one thing I've always um, sort of, I guess, um, been very aware of is that I've, I've never been able to, people have never been able to pigeonhole me. And I think I spent a lot of my, um, my teens and early twenties 
uh, trying to fit in with what everyone else wanted and what I thought society wanted. And for me, it was a real sort of light bulb moment, I guess, um, when I came through the sort of mental health problems that I had, that actually um, you just have to be yourself. And I think that, that, that myself is actually someone that is, is just, I'm a, I'm a very different character. Um, I enjoy lots of different things. And I think that is something that we, we should all embrace, you know, and, and there's, there's that phrase, isn't there, you know, stay in your lane. Well, I actually believe don't stay in your lane. I think it's, life gets really interesting when, when you sort of move around lanes. Yeah, no, it's it's so I love that point because you you're talking about not being limited by boxes or labels that society's put in us and uh, allowing yourself to really have that full expression of self, essentially. Exactly, and then that's the thing. And don't be afraid to try things that are different. And obviously, everyone has their own personal pressures and circumstances. But you know, we only get one life, so I just encourage people to experiment and try as many things as they can. You know, and, and that obviously manifests manifests itself in 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 how you, you know, your profession, because ultimately that's probably the thing you'll spend most of your life doing. Yeah. Well, I love it. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the show. This has been a, a real pleasure. I, I really love the the fact that we focused on, on, on like the uh, the skill sets that people normally talk about often and mental health. So that, that was really fun. I really enjoyed this. It's great. And I look forward to seeing you in Manhattan soon. Yes, yes, yes. And I look forward to seeing you in Old Trafford bowing down to the right <laughs> team. <laughs> Brilliant. All right. Great talk. Alright, uh, ladies and gentlemen, until next time, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.